Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Jay, so I saw something on LinkedIn that made me think of you. It made me think of me somewhat. It certainly made me think of the author of the post who was a, a guest on our podcast earlier, Frank Ramos. Yes. And he, he uh, shared a status update today that just, it like, I don't know, it, it triggered maybe some post-traumatic stress in me. Uh, he said, I wrote my first book in 2007, and I didn't write my second one until 2016. And as someone who finally wrote his first, or at least published my first book in 2016, here we are four years later, it seems like just yesterday, and I just... I both can't imagine going through the process of writing a book right now. And it's like, I, on the other hand, I'm just dying to write another book. And so I thought we could talk about writing books, the, what I consider the ultimate form of thought leadership, because it's long form. And it's also, you know, when you can say, literally, I wrote the book on topic X, you are, you know, a variable thought leader. And I know you have a book coming out which is interesting. And so you've gone through this process recently. So it's very top of mind. And your book is launching what in 10 days or so? Yeah, should be in the next by the time this comes out, uh, should be probably a week out from that. So maybe first early in the first week of August, uh, I, I think will be the official launch date. So yeah, I'm, I was just uh, reviewing and approved the uh, like the manuscript that you upload to Amazon today. So um, cool. once that gets approved, uh, and I quickly order a copy, uh, get a, actually review a hard copy, then it'll be officially launched thereafter. Great. And you want yeah. to tease the subject matter at all? Yeah, sure. So uh, the book is called The Productivity Pivot, and it's for lawyers, uh, not surprisingly. Um, so this will be my third book for, for the legal marketplace. And, it, it, you know, I was inspired to write the book because in working with uh, a number of my coaching clients, there always seems to be this uh, recurring process that that happens where you know we work through you know, kind of casting a vision for the future setting goals developing a plan for business development about you know how lawyers want to build their practices and then the roadblock always comes in where they they realize that they take a look at their plan and they think and and say and articulate you know i just don't have the time to do this i think mm -hmm. uh, they get kind of overwhelmed by the whole idea and they get stuck so you know i really in writing the book i was trying to to i guess solve that problem in a, in a sense so the book is all about how to make how to make time to prioritize business development and the idea the core of the idea is that you like like anything, when you're trying to develop a habit and make progress on something, you have to chip away at it every day. So, yeah, so I'm excited to get the book out. Um, and uh, it's, you know, it has been a long, arduous process. Um, I was, I, although I felt better, I was listening to a podcast recently and Susan Cain was on. And Susan Cain, you may or may not be familiar with her. Uh, the book she wrote is called Quiet, and it was a massive New York Times bestseller. Um, and she, it took her seven years to write it actually. And, and she's a, she's a lawyer. Uh, she was at a big wall street firm, um, left there after being told that she wasn't going to be, um, up for consideration for partner sort of on the regular schedule. Uh, her consideration of her, uh, election to partnership was going to be pushed back a year. And at that point she left, uh, and 
as she tells it, was biking around or walking around, I can't remember, uh, Central Park in New York. And and it just occurred to her that she always wanted to be a writer. So she went home, started writing. And, and seven years later, the book came out, but it was well worth the wait. It's, it's an incredible book. Um, and she's built an incredible business around it. So, um, so in any event, uh, those of us who have the intention to write a book, but haven't actually gotten it published yet, um, you know, keep faith. Even if it takes seven years, it can still be a huge success. Yeah, well, yeah, seven years and nine years between Frank's two books mm -hmm. and 20 years between the time I gave up writing fiction and the time that I took up writing fiction again. Um, so 20 years passed. That was a long time. And you mentioned arduous, and it is an arduous process. In, but for every reason there is to not write a book, and there are many, there are reasons to write a book. And so some of the reasons not to write a book, like you just indicated, maybe, you know, the, the idea that I don't have time to do this or that the uh, reward is not worth the investment in time. Um, maybe there's a fear, fear of failure. You know, you're really putting yourself out there. There's all sorts of stumbling blocks. And you wrote a post, um, actually, it might even be a couple years old now, uh, for the blog that I think we should revisit because it, it speaks to overcoming some of those roadblocks. And I think, again, it's, there's such value in being the thought leader who has literally and figuratively written the book on a topic, like Scott Becker said, right? Uh, I think it was he, one of our first uh, episodes. Oh, that was John Trenacosta. It was, it was. It was John. Yep. Yeah, and he would use that as a business development technique. You know, when a t subject matter came up, he'd have a copy of the book in his briefcase and he'd pull it out and set it on a desk. With someone. Yeah, I do have a few thoughts on this topic. And right, you know, right there, you garner all of the respect and, and you earn the trust of whoever it is that you're presenting to. So if you don't mind, I thought we could dive in a little bit to your post and talk through some of the challenges but maybe more so some of the strategies to kind of map out this process if it is going to be arduous and it doesn't have to be but it will be an investment of time and resources and energy how to best go about do that yeah let's uh, do it yeah so the first thing actually that you you touched on in your post is interesting admission it's going to take a year and that might be off-putting to some but i think it's realistic so why do you warn that it's going to take a year for this to happen yeah, and I and I we should add that it it'll take a year in a in a best case scenario. It, it's a long process, and that might that might sound surprising to some people. Um, you know, maybe you think, well, I can you know if I write some. A lot of times people think about, well, I can probably knock out a thousand words a day, and if I want a you know a two hundred page book, uh, you know, I can get that done. Um, in in not that's maybe that might take three months, say, at a thousand words a, a day. Um, but you're really just getting started because that might be your first draft um, and that would be a fast first draft, but you're probably going to write at least three drafts because as you know, the old saying goes, you know, the idea when you're setting out to write a book is just to write a crappy first draft. And, and oftentimes, you know, when you, you, you think your first draft is great uh, and then you put it aside for a couple of weeks and you come back to it and you realize that you still have a lot of work to do. And then by the time you see what oftentimes ends up being the fourth draft, which is the one that gets published, you see how far you've taken it from that initial draft. So even if it's like, if you think about the process of research, outlining, um, even coming up with the idea for the book, that's a big stumbling block for many people, um, writing your first draft, editing, working with professionals. I highly recommend working with um, a professional 
copy editor and, and, you know, later on in the process, professional designer to do the book cover, that kind of thing. It just takes time. And even the publishing process itself, um, getting everyone lined up to help you launch and market the book, there's a lot involved in the process. So if, you know, be realistic, best case scenario, it's going to be a year. And, and I, should, I should add, that's if you self-publish. Um, if you go the traditional publishing route and, and the relative pros and cons of self-publishing versus traditional publishing, that's a topic for a different episode, um, that, that's going to take at least two years before that book comes out if you go the traditional publishing route, just because it's, it's a much slower process. Um, so yeah, I think that's, you know, that, that should be a realistic, um, you know, timeframe for anyone that's going into this process. Yeah. And I think it's also important, I think you agree to, to think ahead to the day that the book is final and then all of your efforts turn to marketing the book and getting it out there. And if you wait until then to think about, oh, okay, now I need to build an audience or find an audience, then it's going to be another year because it takes time to just garner awareness, get people interested. And so I think either at the beginning or before the beginning, you need to think about, okay, think ahead to the future. I have this book and it's about this topic. And the people who care about this topic that might potentially buy the book are who? And where do I find them? And how do I build a platform of them so that when I'm launching, I'm not launching something into the ether? It is difficult. You know, it's kind of like starting a business. You have the dream of just, you know, all this energy around this idea that you have. And all of your energy and your creative energy is poured into that. And you almost don't even think about, well, does anyone want to buy this product or the service? Same thing with a book, right? Is you have this idea. And again, I'm thinking of just my own work in the fiction realm. It, there's a temptation to get so tied up into the story and how great this is going to be that you never, or the temptation that there to not think about, okay, well, how do I get this in the hands of readers? So two things you advocate for are building the platform and narrowing the niche, which can seem, you know, like those two things are in conflict, but what do you mean about, you know, why narrow the niche if you're trying to build a broad platform? Yeah. So I think, yeah, we're 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 speaking to lawyers primarily here. Um, unless you are, you know, someone like, and and, and I think we're I, we should contextualize this and say primarily what we're talking about are nonfiction books here. I think that's that's kind of the idea. Fiction is a whole another uh, story, uh, and and you know that might be the route someone wants to go. But this is this is more for nonfiction. And so when you're writing something for a, a nonfiction, you're writing a nonfiction book as a lawyer. In most cases, the idea is not that you're going to, you know, make a bunch of money uh, selling books. That's that's a very unrealistic assumption. Uh, the idea is to write something again that makes you uh, a thought leader, uh, perceived as a as a leading authority on the issue you're writing about, so that it drives business to your legal practice. So you don't you don't want to write something that's just of general interest. You, you may go that route, but it's very hard to break through if you're doing that, if you're not already famous or well-known. Um, you know, just as you want to narrow your focus and, and develop a niche for your legal practice, you want to make sure if you're going to put a year's worth of effort into this, what is essentially a marketing effort, that it is appealing to the audience that you're trying to reach and trying to um, generate business from. So, so that's why it's important, I think, for you know, 99% of instances to make sure that you think about how does this book align to my practice and how is it going to help enhance my practice. So that's why I think it's important to have a niche. And then the, the platform ties into that. Again, you're not looking to build a huge platform. And by platform, we mean like your 
social media followers, um, those who read a blog if you're writing content, those who listen to your podcast, um, those who have subscribed to your email newsletter, all of those things uh, are part of your platform and you want that platform to be rich and dense with the, the people that you're trying to reach who are in your niche. So, and you do, like you said, Tom, you have to, you definitely have to start that process well in advance. Um, the, the launch of a book is just very, at the very start of this long process of, um, you know, getting the book out there. A good book, uh, oftentimes, you know, you'll get a bump at the beginning where you launch it, you know, you tell all your friends and family and colleagues, um, you'll sell some books. But if you don't continually market that book, it'll disappear on Amazon. I mean, there are millions of books. And unless you, you the author, are actively promoting it by writing blog posts on other websites, um, pitching yourself as a guest on other podcasts, and you know, continuing to market the book, then, then it will disappear. Uh, the idea is to make sure, you know, a, a good nonfiction book that is, is uh, specific to a niche probably should be selling more copies in your second year than your first. That's certainly the case with my last book that I wrote. I mean, I, I think last month was one of my highest sales months and, and that book's been in publication for over two years. Um, you have to continue to market and, and reach out to people and keep it top of mind. Um, and when you do get it into enough hands, you can create some critical mass where word of mouth starts to spread and people tell other people about the book and that kind of thing. But it takes a long time before you can get to that point. Yeah, well, a couple of things that resonated with me. One is, you, you didn't say it in jest, but I got to steal the pun where you said fiction is a whole nother story. Yeah. I, it, <laughs> I, I noted the pun to myself, but I, okay. I, I decided I wouldn't call it out because uh, right. you know. <laughs> yeah, it's too easy. Yeah. The other yeah. thing, again, just to reemphasize this whole idea of niching and our, our guest last week was a, another expert in why you would niche. But if the book is an exercise in establishing yourself as a thought leader, you need to go narrow and deep on a topic for anyone to care about it. Right. If, if I wrote a book now, you know, marketing 101 for beginners, um, you know, how to use Facebook, who would care about that, right? And so, um, but if I narrow the niche and I say, this is specifically how, say, attorneys can leverage LinkedIn to develop business and to grow their networks, now I'm at least starting to get specific enough that it, a certain set of someones will care about it. And, yeah. um, you know, I think that just bears emphasis too, just on, on all of your thought leader, uh, an attorney's thought leadership efforts is, the idea behind any of this is not to get broadly famous. And we've brought this up, you know, why would you launch a podcast? You'll never be Joe Rogan or, you, you know, but that's not the intent. The intent is to get a small, small group of highly engaged individuals that are closer to maybe engaging your practice or, you know, hiring you as an attorney. Those are far more important to bring into your platform, as you say, than just the general public. You know, if, you know, my, grandpa reads a book about marketing it's nice but is it you know it's useless so yeah again just having that discipline to focus on a niche can be scary which is why you and i keep talking about it because it's it's counterintuitive at times but it's important yeah and and yeah i mean it just if you think about the economics i mean anyone's probably not written a book may not understand exactly what it means but you know every book if you self-publish and publish through amazon your royalty on a, on a book is probably going to be somewhere between, you know, five and $7 per book. So, mm -hmm. you know, do the math. If you're selling a couple hundred books a month, that's really good. 
Um, but you're not making much off that. But one of those books could get in the hands of the right person, which for a lawyer could lead to a $50,000 engagement. And that's the real value. And you're going to increase your likelihood of securing those types of engagements um, quite a bit if you write uh, an outstanding book and are perceived as the uh, leading authority in that space. So that's, that's the reason to do it from an economic standpoint. Yep. Yep. So that overcomes one objection, which is, well, I'm not going to ever become a famous author. Well, again, we're not advocating that you would, but there's other reasons to do this. What about addressing the constraints of time, right? Where I don't, especially attorneys, is there anyone who is busier than an attorney who is practicing, right? So we need to overcome this um, potential objection, this hurdle. And how do you, let's get into the mechanics. How do you plan for this, right? Like you said a thousand words a day or a week, that even seems like a lot. What are some, how do you create structure around this, I guess, so that you're, it only takes a year and not seven? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, to, to continue pitching my own book. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like I do, how I set you up there. Yeah, I do have, uh, I do have a, a technique that, you know, we've talked about before, uh, but I think it's, it's perfect. It's the one I use when I write books. Um, and it's this whole idea from Charlie Munger about selling yourself one hour a day to work on something meaningful that's going to have a big impact. So an hour a day, um, that's not, you know, that's not easy to find for any busy, busy professional. But if you prioritize that and you really, you know, set out to write a book, you definitely can have that book done and published and in your hands within that year time period. So, you know, again, to use my own example, I, I get up early uh, before my kids get up uh, and before the emails start pouring in and, and I devote, you know, sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less, but almost always at least one hour of time to a book that I'm working on. And, you know, those hours add up and those pages add up. And next thing you know, you've got, you've got the book in hand. It's very hard to, you know, there's, there's these romantic notions of going off to a cabin and, you know, for a month and writing a book. And, and that, to me, that's just nonsense. I, I think that um, for most writers, certainly for any lawyer who has a demanding professional job on top of this, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to write for much more than an hour, just from a energy standpoint. Um, it takes a lot of effort to really, you know, stay focused on a book. And so an hour a day can be the perfect amount of time to work on something. I, I point to another example in the book when I'm talking about sort of the, um, the marginal gains you can achieve by just consistently working on something. And this is another example of why you write a book for a particular niche, because I, I tell a lot of stories that will resonate, I think, with other lawyers, such as the, the example of John Grisham, who everyone knows, of course, is the uh, massive New York Times bestselling author, um, and also a lawyer. And he wrote his first couple books um, when he was still practicing. And his, his technique was, was very similar, where he would um, get up, you know, get showered, get into the office uh, with his legal pad and pen in hand, because that's how he wrote his first few books. And he would, he set a goal for himself to write at least one page per day. And that, you know, allowed him to write a time to kill. And, uh, and then, you know, after that, the firm, which was the thing, the book that launched him into the stratosphere. Um, and that was his practice. And it took time. And those are long books. It took him a, at least a couple of years to write his first one. But he, he followed that day, uh, page a day uh, plan and he accomplished his objective. So I'd say, um, you know, get, create that structure if this is something you really want to do. 
and you know set aside that hour get into it before your workday starts because you know some people are night owls i don't know but having practiced law i know i was drained by the end of the day and the idea of digging into a book at that point other than just reading one would have seemed impossible yeah exactly and there's like this huge huge i unless you've done it there's no way to describe the feeling you get when you finish the book right uh especially for me who took 20 years to finally get back to writing. It's like, Oh my God, it's done. And in the blog post that we've been referencing, which we'll put in the show notes, you uh, quoted someone who reminds me of the exercise I do sometimes when I'm presenting on sales and business development. And I ask people, you know, raise your hand if you like getting retained for a, a you know, huge new project or signing on a new client and all the hands go up and, then you ask, uh, okay, how many of you enjoy doing sales and business development and all the hands go down, right? But the process is what achieves the end. And the quote, if I can uh, find it here, is Dorothy Parker. She says, I hate writing, but I love having written. So how do you get past, how do you get to the finish line when you've got maybe nine months into it and it's ceased being fun, maybe. And now it's this project. It's this albatross. It, maybe that's not the case in your case. For me, I was so exhilarated that I couldn't stop writing. But I, I know when big projects, you know, are, are presented, you know, you get so far through it and you feel like you've been doing it forever that it just now it feels like this long slog and I'll never get done. So how did that happen to you? And how do you overcome it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I literally hated my book uh, a, a couple months ago, you know, as you're into the third draft and you just can't stand looking at it any longer. It, at that point, you just have to, you have to just draw upon the fact that you've invested a ton into this and you're, you know, it's, it's like a long race and you're like, you, you can sense the finish line coming and you just need to power through with, with willpower and discipline at that point. Um, I don't know. There are probably authors, although I, I know most, uh, really despise the process at some point. Um, they like, it's, you know, it can be fun at the beginning. Um, then there's that, you know, the, I think in entrepreneurship, they call it the, the what, the pit of despair when you're like in this, <laughs> this period of time where things aren't going well and you just are kind of need to, need to power through. And, and that's how it sometimes feels. Um, so yeah, I, I think you, 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 at the same time, you need to just really um, think about how far you've come what you've invested in this, what it will mean to you once it's done and out in the marketplace. So yeah. you can, you can draw upon those, those, uh, you know, I guess qualities or, or outcomes that you can, you can envision as part of the process uh, when you're going through those tough periods. I think you also need to recognize just in advance that the last 10%, as you put it in this blog post is almost all work. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's, you know, whether I'm writing a, a book or, you know, as you know, I'm a musician and I love to write songs. The last 10% is not fun. It's all the work that you have to finish something and, and create, you're finally converting an idea in a, in a passionate pursuit to an actual product. And that can be sometimes not so fun. You just need to know that going in. And once you get past it again, then the reward starts to kick in this, this sense of achievement, um, all the excitement then starts to renew because now you're on the marketing effort and you've done a good job, like you said, building a platform for a year, maybe starting to engage some of your early adopters, which I know you've done with your book, um, you know, which I want to ask you about in a second. 
but then it becomes fun because then you start getting the immediate gratification of somebody who buys the book. There's a little dopamine hit. Then somebody who reviews the book and says, oh, what a wonderful job you've done. All of those rewards are beyond that final 10%. So you just need to power through. But you did, um, before I ask you about some of your early adopters or this team that you're kind of bringing into the folks, I think it's a brilliant idea. I just have to say, there's no reason you should hate your book as somebody who's read it. Um, it really is a great book and it's going to be, I think, well received from attorneys who are, who are busy and especially, you know, there's a lot of quote unquote pit of despairs going around or pits of despair going around right now. And it's, it's inspirational. It's, it's, it's what I liked about it. It was partially visionary and philosophical, but it's so practical in method, you know, method, what's the word I'm looking for? Methodical. Mm -hmm. it, it, it gives you an attorney some real things to implement. So before we let you go, so let's talk about maybe some of the pre-marketing because that's kind of where you're at now. And do you want to share what you've done in terms yeah. of reaching out to certain people and asking them to be part of this process? Yeah, uh, for sure. So I, I think the core of, of launching a book, and again, I, I, would, I would caution people not to build too much uh, around the launch. You see massive book launch campaigns by certain authors when they're trying to hit like one of the best sellers lists and they'll do pre-orders and everything else to get on the New York Times list. That's not what, I, I don't think anyone listening to this podcast, certainly not myself, need to worry about that um, if you're writing an, a real niche book. Uh, so instead, you know, you want to have a good, robust uh, launch because that matters. You, you know, you're never going to have an opportunity to gain more attention uh, around your book than the launch of it. Um, so, you know, I, there's a few things that I do. I try to keep it simple, but, you know, effective. So one is formulating uh, what's commonly referred to as a launch team. So going out to, you know, social media contacts, friends, colleagues, uh, you know, our email list, those who follow our content and asking them basically, um, will they, will they help in launching this book? Many of the people that have, are, have signed up for that. And we have, I think more than 50 people on our launch team now, which is great, uh, mm -hmm. are going to help to spread the word about the book on social media. Um, will leave reviews on Amazon, which is very important. Uh, both in terms of just, you know, social proof about the book, as well as um, just boosting the book in the Amazon algorithm. Um, so making it more visible. So yeah, they, you know, you communicate with them in advance, line them up, they, you share resources with them, such as like social media graphics. And um, they, you know, they're a big part of that marketing effort. They, they share the book with their contacts. Um, many, if not all of those on, on the launch team are either lawyers or legal marketing professionals. So, um, so, you know, you're finding members of your niche audience and help having them help to um, exponentially spread the reach of, of the book um, through, through the work that they do on your behalf. And of course, in return for that, um, beyond my eternal gratitude, I, <laughs> I provide them with a free copy of the book and, and uh, you know, try to try to make sure that we reciprocate in any way we can. Um, so that's that's a big important component. Um, another thing that I do in advance is think about um, two things: how do I how do I spread the word through thought leadership content? So in advance, I've written several blog posts that relate to the content in the book. They're not regurgitating the book; they're simply building upon you know individual discrete points within the book that I will attempt to publish. I will publish some of that content on our own blog, but more importantly, I'll be trying to publish that content in other 
um, legal industry, like trade publications and websites. Um, I'm also reaching out and trying to book appearances on different podcasts. I just recorded one yesterday uh, with a former uh, guest of our podcast, um, Jeremy uh, Richter on, our, on his podcast. And that will be coming out in a couple of weeks uh, where we talk about the book, among other things. So these are all, you know, important things to do and then continue to do it to kind of beat the drum on a theme we talked about earlier where um, it's not just all about the launch, but I'll be trying to do that for, um, you know, the foreseeable future, trying to get the word out. And, and that's I think that's how you you create attention around your book is just that consistent consistency of effort with the help of a launch team. Yep. And like you said earlier, don't get so hung up on the launch. Don't, you know, it's tempting to lose momentum as the interest appears to fade um, because you are going to have this nexus of activity right when you launch just naturally. But the idea isn't to hit the, like you said, the bestseller list. This is to become a marketing tool, a thought leadership bona fide um, that you're going to use for maybe years from the, you know, think back to Frank who took, you know, seven years between books. He was probably using that first book all along. And if you think for the long game and envision yourself two years in the future where you are sitting in front of a prospect and you are able to pull your book out of your briefcase and hand over a complimentary copy to a prospect, the returns that you're, you know, realizing on your investment in time now are just going to continue to compound over time. Just think of it, though. that's my advice, and I'm sure you agree. Think of it as not something that it's going to have a three to six month window, this huge launch event, and then it trails off, and now that book's useless. It's how am I going to use this as a marketing tool? Because again, it is, I think, the ultimate thought leadership content is to saying, you know, saying I, I literally wrote the book. And if you think beyond a short time horizon now, I think that's going to give you more internal motivation to power through that last 10% because you know it's something that you're going to use as a tool to establish your reputation for years and years to come. Yeah, I think a book probably still, even though you know some people, there's so many different forms of content, but I think a book still has the longest tail of any, longest tail benefit of any marketing initiative you could engage in um, uh, possible. And, and yeah, I mean, it just has all kinds, I mean, you, you'll book more speaking gigs if you want to do that. You'll, you'll just, you'll, you'll be seen as more of an expert and you'll get more media attention. All of the, all of those things will increase with a book. So I think it's a, it's a worthwhile effort if someone really has the motivation to do it. Yeah. And I just, I just recommended Seth Godin's The Dip to a client the other day. And I, that book's got to be 10 or more years old, right? But it might be, yeah, 15 years old. I think. 15 years old, yeah. still relevant to this particular client. So again, it's, these aren't flash of the pans. These aren't instant overnight success stories. This, you're building an arsenal of thought leadership content in a book could be the, the, the ultimate form of that. Last thing before I let you go, um, because we're on a podcast, we obviously advocate for audio format. Are you doing an audio component to your book as well? Yeah, I am. Um, and I'm actually going to go back and do it for my previous book as well. Uh, so that, that's become a lot easier than it used to be. And, and audiobooks are obviously much more popular than they've ever been. So I am going to do that. It's not going to be done with the launch of the uh, the, the the hard copy as well as the uh, Kindle uh, ebook version will be out 
but the audio book will be to follow. So, um, so yeah, but that will be done and, and I'm looking forward to having it in audio format because so many more people are listening to books as opposed to reading them these days. Right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, this has been fun. Two authors geeking out about writing books. Uh, yeah. What could be better? Yeah. And I, you know, I, I didn't mention to you, but th- so this will be breaking news for you, Tom, but oh, good. Um, I, you know, I've, I don't know. I can't remember. I think I've, I don't know if you've read anything by Ryan Holiday um, or not. He's one of my favorite authors, but um, in any event, uh, he he cranks out a lot of books and they're all great. And he, he I, I've often heard him talk about, uh, you know, how he does that. And his sort of secret is, well, once I finish one book, I start the next and I just keep, wow. keep going. So I actually did start the next book already. Um, oh, wow. so I haven't, I haven't talked to you about that yet, but I'm about four chapters in. So I'm, I'm making progress. Um, Good. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, you know, I, I'm not ready to talk about the uh, the subject matter just yet, but uh, but yeah, it was a book that I had in the back of my mind for a while, and uh, I thought, well, no time like the present. So I dug into it, made a little, you know, kind of that early spurt of progress that keeps, yeah. keeps you motivated. And I'm in a, a bit of a slog now with it, but uh, and I've and I've kind of dialed it back a little bit as I'm focusing on the launch of of the new book. But yeah, that'll be that'll be news to come for the. That's uh, exciting. Yeah, but you don't want you don't want the new puppy to make the old dog you know become ignored, right? So exactly, yeah, exactly that too. Right, totally. Uh, Shiny new object, yeah. Cool. Well, it was funny because when when I released my book, everyone had an idea for what the sequel should be. Mm-hmm. And I almost immediately, in my mind, again, it'll probably take me 20 years to get this out of my head again, yeah. but um, I've already mapped out what the sequel was going to be. Nice. So, yep. Awesome. Well, good. I can't wait to see more about that book. And then obviously when this book comes out, is there anywhere you want people to be looking for news of the release? Yeah, so I'll be I'll be posting quite a bit on LinkedIn about it. Um, the book will be available on Amazon. Again, the the title is the Productivity Pivot, and I, I I'm sure we'll probably do an episode on this coming up. Um, but in addition to that, uh, we'll have a, a specific domain, productivitypivot.com. Uh, they can go there, and listeners can go there, and I will have some uh, corresponding worksheets that kind of help guide people through some of the processes I, I describe and advocate for in the book. So you can go there, learn more about the book, uh, download those for free and check it out once it's out. So we'll, uh, we'll let you know in a subsequent episode when it's officially out, but yeah, look for it in the next seven to 10 days or so on Amazon. Cool. Can't wait. Awesome. All right. Well, I guess we'll pick up uh, there next time. And uh, thanks again, Jake. All right, Tom. Thanks for the, uh, thanks for the conversation. It was fun. Yep. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.